0: Welcome
1: to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. On each and every episode, Brian talks with coaches, athletes, and performers in all arenas who are putting into practice the principles of peak performance that will help you close the gap from where you are to where you want to be, to help you become a master of the mental game, and to help you start dominating the day. Hey, how are you doing, Brian Kane Peak? Coach here with the Peak Performance Podcast and today our guest is Lasse Lepicorpi. He's the CEO and founder of Bedit, an app and a program that I personally use and we'll get into and with Bedit, if you achieve more with a great night's sleep and you're able to make your bed a smart bed so that you can learn more about how you invest literally a third of your life and some of the background on sleep is that if you're sleeping for eight hours a night, that's literally a third of your life and how you use that one-third of life and how we, how the quality of sleep that we get will dramatically impact the other two-thirds of how you live. So, Lassie, thank you for joining us. And if you would, if you could give our listeners a little bit of your background and kind of how your passion for sleep research and how you came about Bed-It in your days as an athlete, that would be great because you could do it much better than I.
0: <laughs> thank you, Priyan. Thanks for having me. So yeah, I used to be a professional triathlete uh, in a, in a national triathlon team of Finland, and uh, and at that time, I had actually multiple coaches because I had my personal coach and I was doing this mandatory military service. So I had a military sports coach and and I was in the elite forces for top athletes in a, in, in a military and and so. There was a kind of mix uh, mixing of, of this communication uh, between the coaches that led into the situation that I got into the very bad overstress syndrome, over-conditioned state. And at that time, there wasn't really a good sensors or analysis available to track sleep and recovery. So I had to sleep wearing the uh, heart rate monitoring chest belt, uh, chest band, and, and that was pretty annoying to sleep with any, any wearable Sensor, but that was needed to be able to track resting heart rate, heart rate variability, and those uh, parameters while while sleeping. So later on, when I was the uh, research scientist at the Helsinki University of Technology, uh, I came across with this uh, method called ballistocardiography. That is a method that you can actually measure the ballistics uh, of the cardiac function meaning you can measure the mechanical uh, movements of the cardiac muscle using the sensitive force sensors that can be in any supporting platform. You can put the sensors in a chair, in a bed, in a standing platform like a weight scale, anywhere that supports part of the body weight, and that way you you can track the mechanical forces coming from the cardiac contraction, and that way you can track cardiac function, respiratory functions movements sleep quality without attaching any any sensors to the body and especially for athletes the resting heart rate during the sleeping as well as the heart rate variability are very key parameters that you can get to assess the recovery and the stress level
1: you know, where I was turned on to the Beta app is from one of the world's leading sleep experts and uh, Dr. James Moss, who was a professor at Cornell for 48 years, and you know, wrote the three books: Sleep for Success, Power Sleep. And I can't believe I'm escaping the other one right now. Let me turn around and look. It's Sleep for Success, Sleep to Win, and power Sleep. as I look at them here in my library. And I had the wonderful fortune of, of having breakfast with Dr. Moss, and he, he gave me the, the Bedit system. And I've used it now for almost six months. And, just, it, it, you know, I, I found it to be fabulous and that it just increases my awareness of the quality of sleep I'm getting and if I get, you know, interrupted sleep and it gives you your sleep score, I know that if I have a couple continual nights of, you know, sleep scores between 40 and 60 or 40 and 70, I know that I've got to really get a quality night's sleep to almost try to play catch up in recovery and I've noticed in the last six months that since I've had that increased awareness my performance has been much better and I've been been doing more and working harder in the last six months than I ever have in my life and I'm training for a marathon and and on the road 280 days a year and and have not broken down at all and actually have felt the best I've ever felt. And I think that the increase in sleep has played a huge part of that. If you would, could you talk a little bit about the importance of sleep in athlete development as most of the people that will be listening to this podcast will be coaches or athletes?
0: Yeah, for sure. So sleep is just as even more important than the nutrition, the diet, or the exercising for athletes. Because really, Exercising is just an excitation for the body. The actual training effect takes place when when the body is recovering and and if the athlete doesn't take care of the of the proper recovery, including the good sleep with all the needed different sleep stages. The recovery is not sufficient and the training effect is not optimal. And, and uh, obviously how our metabolism is working, how our, a different diet and nutrition is working, how we're burning our calories, are we burning more fat tissue or muscle tissue when, when recovering, that's also depending on, on our sleep because that is that, that process is, is very much controlled. By these different hormones and and what happens during uh, during the different sleep stages. So sleep is extremely important for the for the athletes and then there is another uh, not not that direct aspect of sleep that is the uh, being more alert and and and, uh, and also that our brains functions better it's also preventing injuries. There are many studies showing that uh, that the athletes who take care of their sleep uh, do have much less less injuries. And, and obviously, in the long term, we, we don't get ourselves into that overstressed states or, or causing any, any like this uh, even worse health, uh, health impact like, uh, like cardiac diseases or, or, or uh, stress, mental, mental issues. Could you talk a little bit about
1: the sleep stages that athletes go through and the importance of each of those?
0: Yeah. So sleep is periodical, and each and sleep uh, sleep cycle takes uh, for a normal person it takes about ninety minutes. There are there are a lot of individual variations, but about ninety minutes is that typical sleep uh, sleep cycle. And during that sleep cycle, we go from light sleep to a deeper sleep all the way. After the deep sleep, we get to the state which is called REM sleep, that is actually quite light sleep states, but we go into that REM sleep state through deep sleep. So that is a common misconception that, or, or misunderstanding that, that when people think about what is the most important sleep states, many say that that's REM sleep. And when we ask why, they say that, well, that's the sleep states that, that's the only sleep state I remember exists. And nobody really understands the meaning of these different sleep stages. So we go through these different stages and, and especially the deep sleep is very important for the physical recovery. And, and how much we get this deep sleep directly correlates the best how we feel in the morning, how refreshed we feel and how well our body is, is recovering from this physical uh, stress. And, and, uh, when, when we are ex- exercising more, training more and harder, we naturally get more pressure for the sleep and for deep sleep, and, and the amount of deep sleep increases uh, if our body, body is working naturally, and that deep sleep is needed for our body to recover physically. But then the REM sleep, on the other hand is is very important for uh, learning it's It's really for our brains it's um, It's how how we learn different skills so if, if we do these repetitions how those repetitions kind of go into our muscle memory that happens during the REM sleep so that we learn new skills and and we also uh, it, it's kind of like often compared to this defragmentation of the hard drive ah. that the, that the things we we kind of uh, going through during the daytime are moving from the short-term memory to the long-term memory and and it's uh, it's important for our our brain and, and for learning new skills, especially motoric motoric skills, so every single sleep stage, even the light sleep states, is important because it adds up to the total duration of the sleep that is uh, that is the most first most important thing that we get enough sleep, and then we get these two additional aspects of sleep, which is a deep sleep, I would say uh, is more important for the physical recovery, and then the REM sleep that I would say is a little bit more important for the uh, uh, for the brains and for the strategic uh, Different strategic aspects of, of whatever we do
1: So if if a sleep cycle is 90 minutes About how long are you in light sleep versus deep sleep versus REM sleep in that 90 minute cycle?
0: So that's also depending on the time of the of the night so typically in the first cycles when we go to bed uh, deep sleep dominates, so we get more deep sleep and and uh, and we get less deep sleep during the morning cycles. so the first cycles in the evening when we start sleeping are dominated by the deep sleep, and there is much less REM sleep. This can be impacted and affected if we if we are like a very if we have a emotional stress or if we used any alcohol or if we there, there are various reasons that can distort that. But in a normal normal process during the first cycles of the night, we get more deep sleep and less REM sleep. And then toward the morning, our physical recovery has happened and and then our brains start to recover recover more. And then we get the more REM sleep as compared to the deep sleep. And when looking over the entire night, we should get uh, about five cycles in total, each about these 90 minutes, and, and when looking over the total duration of the night, we should have uh, about 20% an adult person. This is also an age depending question. But when looking at an adult uh, male, about 20% deep sleep, about 35 uh, to 40% REM sleep, and the rest of the sleep is additional light sleep or core sleep, or however you like to like to call call that. But so, but that, that's that's roughly the. Uh,
1: so, so the, what's the, the actual amount of sleep that you would suggest a, an athlete, you know, 16 to 26 years old would get, you know, a lot of people say six to eight hours of sleep, which I'm not sure, you know, that, where that comes from. And I've heard people say nine hours and 15 minutes. What, for, according to the research, what is the actual number that athletes should be getting?
0: Well, that's, that's totally depending on the age and the training load because when when you're training more like i said it it naturally increases the pressure for getting more sleep and especially getting more deep sleep to recover physically from that from the training load and and then if you add some other like oppressors from whatever from relationship from life from uh pressure of competition that drill, whatever it, it's impacting to that so so the need is really individual and it's also changing. So when you're training more, you naturally are more uh, tired and and you should get more sleep to recover properly. And also when you're younger, you should get more sleep. There is the, there are these uh, average recommendations between seven to nine hours, but it's always very in- individual. And and the best tip I could give is to try to keep the wake uh, um, the time. When, when you wake up in the morning, exactly the same. So, so that, that would be the synchronizing time for your body that every morning, no matter it's a business day, weekend, uh, no matter what day it is, try to keep that waking time within plus minus half an hour. And, and then what is really putting your, uh, synchronizing your body is, is the time in the morning when you get uh, first get this natural light Containing blue wavelength uh, light, and and when you eat your first meal your breakfast, and and so having keeping these kind of within that plus minus half an hour every morning, and then in the evening not forcing yourself to the bed, just when you naturally if you train more you naturally feel more tired earlier, and then you go to bed a little bit earlier, but then you still wake up at the same time in the morning. So if if you're training more there's more load you feel earlier. Uh, tired on the next evening and then you go to a little bit earlier but trying to keep that waking time as, as steady as possible even when moving over the time zones so that, that's really a good good tip kind of trying to find that uh, individual need for sleep and, and for younger athletes teenagers something it's, it's over 10 hours for sure and, and for the older it, it, it might be less but it's totally depending on the training load
1: so the it's more – is it more important to say that you get out of bed at the same time every day than it is that you get into bed at the same time every day?
0: Yes, for sure.
1: Okay. So then yes. it's so then it wouldn't necessarily be you want to get seven and a half hours. So if you're traveling and you can get to bed at 10 o'clock at night or you get to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning, if you're going to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning and you normally get out of bed at 6 a.m., you're saying get out at 6 a.m. and try to – and you'll go to bed earlier that night?
0: Yes that's that's definitely at, at least uh, but obviously if if you're traveling and you you have this jet lag uh, that is impacting as well and you don't feel tired you cannot get to the to the bed and and force yourself to the sleep because if you don't feel tired it doesn't make sense to go to bed and try to force yourself to the sleep so you must feel tired as well so in in that kind of cases that is causing that adjustment of the body and and you still need to get enough sleep so if, if you're traveling for the major event or competition or something then you have to sleep in you have to kind of let your body to sleep longer in the morning and you can't avoid it but if it's like a general general day that that you uh that you have to w- stay awake later then still wake up at the same time and and, and compensate the next day because uh, if if you change a lot that. Uh, time when you wake up in the morning or more than that plus minus half an hour that is setting your body into that assessment mode and you don't need to travel over time zones it's exactly the similar assessment mode as as in the jet lag so trying to prevent that is 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 one of the main uh, main important things but obviously it cannot be always avoided and if you're preparing for some major event then then you have to compensate also sleeping more in the morning that you get enough recovery but trying to avoid that.
1: So, if you're traveling, if, let's say I'm going with a, I don't know, go go with an Olympic team or a, or a fighter, would be. Let's say there's a UFC fighter who's in Texas and um, he's going to fight in Australia, and there's a 12-hour time zone difference. So he's just got to kind of go over there and then try to try to get up at the same time he normally would get up and just naturally let let the body catch up to that time zone difference.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh if 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 there is time to do that, that's a, that's the best way to, to get a best performance is to have enough time. So that taking that about half an hour, maximum one hour per per day adjusting. So twelve hour time difference would mean it takes from twelve to twenty-four days to naturally adjust and and obviously there is very seldom enough time to do that. So that can be helped with some kind of the bright light treatments, for example, giving you the uh uh, that uh, light excitation and the right time, and and trying to keep your schedule closer to your own time zone, like when you're eating, when you're training. But yeah, I, I agree that these these long travels are are sometimes problematic. And also, what needs to be remembered is that if there is only like a one or two night uh, deprivation or issue, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so so then then it's not that not that bad. It's it's many many times athletes athletes think that. If they if they sleep very poorly the last night before the big event that's very very bad for the performance. But it has been also shown in the studies that that that's not necessarily the case uh, because most of the athletes do um, uh, do have this worse sleep right before the big event. It's just natural stress and but it's still have not been shown to have a, such a huge impact to the performance only if, if it kind of continues over the many, many nights and, and the deprivation is, is longer term, then it has a major, major impact. So just traveling somewhere and having a one poor night before the big event is not that bad as, as a long-term deprivation. And the other, other end is obviously having that natural adjustment, that 12 hours difference take that <laughs> almost a month. And, and we've, it's very seldom we have such time.
1: What about you know, shifting your clock before you go over? So you know, going to training yourself to you almost put your watch on. If you're in Texas, put your watch on Australia time, and try to live your life for a month before you go over there, kind of on that clock. What does that benefit at all?
0: Yeah, you can do that. I would even if doing that, I would recommend doing that through that morning. Morning synchronization, so starting to adjust your morning wake up half an hour per day at maximum and and then having that kind of the natural light with blue wavelength and and the breakfast time so those are the two really good synchronizing factors and 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 trying to start to moving them uh, and and then kind of synchronizing all the rest of the activities of the day like training and and everything else to to that. To that particular time and then starting to slowly move that and and adjust already before the before the travel that's obviously uh helpful, but that's also sometimes hard to do and 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 of of course uh, just just to prevent that natural light other than at at the, at the right time then you must have a really good uh curtains blinds in in your bedroom and and you have to really have also the tools tools for it.
1: Make like an eye mask or earplugs to help eliminate some of the noise in this in yeah. night as well. Um, fantastic! So, t- talk a little bit about Bedit, if you would in the in the you know the strap that goes on the mattress and it hooks up to your iPhone. Really super easy to use, and it measures you know it's going to measure heart rate, it's going to measure respiration rate. Uh, would you talk a little bit about the the is there a correlation between heart rate, respiration rate, and quality of sleep?
0: Yeah, the uh, respiration rate while we sleep is, is pretty standard. The only, uh, if looking at the one minute average respiration rate, it, it's pretty standard, uh, standard but, but there, are, uh, there are differences in different sleep stages. So for example, in deep sleep, respiration rate is more steady, there is less variability in respiration rate than in other sleep stages. So that also helps us to kind of figure out these sleep cycles. Uh, same, same thing with the with the heart rate: that the heart rate variability is, uh, is to some extent uh, depending on the on the sleep stages. But when looking at the uh, from, from the beginning and that, that what, what is bedded and, and what it is. So the, the thin film sensor that is attached on the mattress under the bed sheet. That is very sensitive force sensor. So it's measuring all the forces, pressure and strain that is exposed to that um, to that thin film. And it's natural so you don't need to wear anything. You don't need to recharge any batteries or replace any batteries. So it makes it really ambient and you don't need to kind of take in any way, even even notice it it's just tracking every night without doing anything or or even noticing it's it's there so that's the key key benefit of of bed. so first of all, it knows when you are in the bed so it's easy easy way to track that uh, general circadian rhythm, how much you reserve time for yourself to rest that how much time you spend in bed and how regular that that period is. So so that is the first first thing that it detects automatically when you are in the bed. Then the next next level is that it, it tracks those movements in the same way like these activity trackers do. But because it's under your body, it it can track movement of any part of the body, so it can be a limp movement head movement anything and it will detect that as a movement and as minor disruption to your sleep. we call that whole body actigraphy so versus these typical actigraphy actigraphy devices that only track the movement of the wrist with uh, some kind of the wristband they uh, th- this is a whole body actigraphy that detects any movement uh, in, in the in the body so that's the next step what we what we track and we get this whole body actigraphy signal then when the person is still and sleeping and lying still there there isn't other any other movements left except the expansion of the thorax because of our respiration motion so we measure that small force coming from the actual breathing effort and that is the way how we track the respiration rate and respiration rate variability and in the same way uh, the cardiac function is based on this ballistocardiography so our sensor actually measures that small mechanical force coming from the cardiac muscle contraction and the blood bolus acceleration so that is the that is the scientific way how we track that mechanical heartbeat and how we get the heart rate and how we get the heart rate variability and now when we combine all this information it makes us a unique because many of these sleep trackers available only track the movement of the wrist. Some of them also track uh, average heart rate or something like that. But what we do, we combine all this information. We combine whole body actigraphy, respiration rate, including variability, and uh, heart rate, including heart rate variability. And when we put all this together, we get much better and accurate sleep assessment and recovery assessment than than the basic sleep tracker
1: Yeah, so, so i know i've played with the, the the ones you wear on your wrist and the, the iphone that you put down on your bed and the accelerometer in the phone you know and i know that in, in talking with dr moss or that that i believe the the most statistically relevant sleep app to match what goes on in the lab would be better is that accurate
0: Yes, I would, I would say so. That, that's accurate. So that it, it's, there's really no other devices on the market that combine all those information together in the way how we do. And we've also done uh, quite a many clinical studies about the accuracy of tracking heart rate, tracking respiration rate, and then using them to assess, assess sleep. So I would say that's correct.
1: Excellent. So for the listeners, if they want to invest in uh, a better night's sleep and they, they want to um, you know invest into that recovery so that they can achieve more with a great night's sleep and make their bed a smart bed, how do they go about getting bet Is there a, a website that they can go to or a Twitter account that they can follow to get more information?
0: Sure. There is a better Twitter account. Uh and the easiest place to find more information is obviously the website pedit.com tcom and pedit is widely available you can buy it from any Apple store uh, it's it's also available on Amazon and through our website so it's easy to get, get one and and it, it sells for 149 so it's not that expensive tool uh, compared to the information it provides so Easy to easy to get more information and there are also good blog posts about athletes using it and, and the different experiences that you can find from our web, web pages and and also in that Twitter feed you can see many athletes discussing about using it.
1: Excellent. Well, I know I've been on the Twitter feed, it's at Bedit, and and the website is Bedit.com. That's two Ds, one T B E D D I T dot yes Awesome. Well, last question for you. Uh, obviously you're 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 ultra successful and, and you know in what you've done in your life and if you if you could offer one piece of advice for all of the coaches and all of the athletes that are listening to this podcast, what would be that one piece of success that you would encourage them to to take? If you could maybe remove their skull cap and plant one seed of success inside of
0: their head and it would germinate, what would that one seed be? Well, what I've learned is really, like you said uh, yourself, what Betty did to you is is that just pay enough attention to have enough recovery and and sleep, so that just be aware of that thing. It's not just the black hole where that one third of our life is disappearing. It's the one of the most important part of our life. So be more aware. Of that, and remember that has a huge impact to your performance, your success, everything, all your achievements. Just being more aware of that, no matter what means you are using to do that, concentrate on that. That that will definitely improve your life.
1: Excellent. If you would, could you talk a little bit about how you know the the beta app gives you information that helps to assess not only recovery, but also athlete performance and the correlation between the two, so that it's not necessarily just a test, train the athlete, and then post-test to find out if the training is working, but you have more data throughout the training to see if it's actually being, if it's accomplishing what you want the physical training to accomplish.
0: Yeah, for sure. You should not just think about sleep, something that if you sleep well, then you perform better after that sleep. You can also think about sleep as a reflection that has happened prior that sleeping period. So by by tracking sleep you also get a good input of the effectiveness of training and you can do the adjustments to the training program based on the sleep tracking, and, and that is the way how you can make the training program more effective. So uh, the coaches should not just look at the uh, test results that they do periodically for the athletes and and do the uh, adjustments to the training program based on that. If they add the component of tracking recovery and sleep and use that to reflect the training program and do assessments, they can get much faster and better, uh, better optimization for the performance
1: excellent is that so that so that the by measuring the training load they can see if the athletes are sleeping more or not enough maybe they need to increase training load or or de- increase or decrease training load based off yeah, of yeah. some of the information from sleep
0: yeah in- increase or decrease so so it it's and, and also um, you you can kind of assess that what type of training uh, should be suitable because uh the, the sleep is impacted in a different way if you do the uh uh, shorter uh, time, shorter distance, harder training than then the longer term aerobic endurance training. So it also has a different, uh, different impact to the to the sleep and recovery as well.
1: Oh, man, how how talk a little bit about the impact of either distance training, so marathon training versus sprint training, and the impact that that would have. Let's say training a football player more explosive versus an Ironman triathlete, which you were. Um, what would be the difference on sleep in that?
0: Well, um, first of all, says the uh, the uh, the duration of the training causes naturally that for the endurance uh, athletes the the need for for sleep and need especially for this uh, deep sleep is uh, is higher than for the athletes who uh who are more uh training for this uh, ex- explosive power and 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 uh, and hard Different, like a shorter but harder training, and which is also more strategic, and and having other aspects than just the physical endurance. So, um, so for for them also the REM sleep has a much higher role than than for the uh, for the endurance athletes. These are really individual changes, and and by understanding the sleep and these cycles better. Help help the athlete and the coach to understand. So there are there are also different what they call the phenotypes or genotypes that our even our genes have a big impact to that. How what what is kind of the best training method for us and how that would change our sleep? So it's it's also connected to that. So just by tracking sleep, it gives a lot of understanding of what's the uh, what's the optimal way to train.
1: Awesome. You would if you would talk about the heart rate variability.
0: Yeah, so that was something I wanted to point out is that what I've learned from many athletes and from the field is that many of these uh, devices and analysis uh, assessing recovery are overemphasizing uh, the uh, heart rate variability. What I would recommend is is to look at more the overall behavior of the resting heart rate during the night and over the longer period of time, over a series of nights, and I would say that would give more valuable data than looking at the heart rate variability within one night. HRV, heart rate variability, is an excellent additional parameter to take into account, but I would say that the more important is looking at that resting heart rate and how it behaves during the night. It should start dropping when the athlete is getting that good quality sleep, along with the recovery of the physical uh, uh, physical stress of the body. So when that recovery happens, that resting heart rate drops toward the morning and reaches that lowest point that we call the recovery point. And, and that should happen. And then it goes back and starts naturally increase a little bit again before the natural wake up time in the morning and awakening. And if this doesn't happen, it doesn't really matter what other Heart rate variability in the morning or in the evening or during the night because you just don't get enough recovery during during that night and and also also many of these HRV analysis uh, get confused because of the deep sleep because during the deep sleep, our uh, autonomic nervous system is automatically suppressing the way how it regulates the heart rate so during the deep sleep. Heart rate variability there is less heart rate variability, which is natural, and typically when you get less heart rate variability, it's it's an indicator of stress. So these deep sleep periods are often seen with this HRV analysis as a stress uh, event. Even they for the athlete, they are just the opposite. They are one of they are the most important time for the physical recovery, and and so everybody using these HRV analysis methods, especially during the sleep, when our body behaves slightly different than being awake, should be uh, conscious and should be aware of these physiological uh, events behind the heart rate variability. And and that's my one one tip is to to look at the uh, resting heart rate and how it behaves during the night and over the series of nights, giving uh, even better insight than the heart rate variability but hydrate variability do have its benefits as well, but just be, be conscious about it.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your hectic schedule. I know we've had to reschedule a couple times and uh, many time zones away, and I appreciate you making time to be a guest on our podcast. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. Today's podcast is
1: sponsored by Potential Apparel. Potential Apparel is on a mission to inspire athletes to reach their true potential. If you're serious about reaching yours, then you have to go check them out. They make awesome clothing for dedicated and committed athletes. I'm a huge supporter of what they're doing, and that's why I wear their clothing with pride. Make a statement and join the movement today at PotentialApparel.com. Be sure you use promo code Kane with a space between Brian and Kane for 15% off on your first order. Dominate the day with potential apparel. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. Please make sure that you visit BrianKane.com. That's B R I A N C A I N.com and sign up for my Monday message, where every Monday I deliver straight to your inbox videos, interviews, articles, tips, techniques, and strategies that you can master the mental game. You can also contact me through my website on our Contact Us page and see my calendar of where I'm going to be in the country and when I'm coming to your area so that we can get together and that we can continue to go out there and dominate the day. This is a production of Corn Belt Sports. The Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast is part of the Top Coach Network.